Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remix. What up, Medicine Remix? This is your boy, Debunk. And, you know, I wish I could sit here and say to you that every time Rish and I come up with a segment that it's this beautiful, well-plotted, well-thought-out, thoroughly dissected project that you're enjoying right now. But it's not. What? Like, ever. (laughs) Well, maybe sometimes. Instead, what more commonly happens is I just go on these random brain explorations, thought experiments, and the last time I really got thinking about this was after our episode that we put out concerning schizophrenia and creativity. And the path I went down on had to do with remembering a quote in a book from renowned author Stephen King. In the book called On Writing, he reaches a point where he's talking about how fast he wrote certain books. And for those of you who didn't know, sort of in the prime of his career, Stephen King had a crazy addiction problem. I mean, the guy was hopped up on cocaine and drinking and smoking, and it was apparently pretty bad. Tabby began by dumping a trash bag full of stuff from my office out on the rug. Beer cans, cigarette butts, cocaine in gram bottles and cocaine in plastic baggies, coke spoons caked with snot and blood, Valium, Xanax, bottles of Robitussin cough syrup and NyQuil cold medicine, even bottles of mouthwash. And in the book, again, he's talking about how quickly he was able to get through some of his writings for some books that turned out to be huge blockbusters. And I just found it really interesting that when he talks about his writing slowing down, he says, and I quote, I think it was quitting smoking that slowed me down. Nicotine is a great synapse enhancer. The problem, of course, is that it's killing you at the same time. It's helping you compose, end quote. That always stood out to me because of all the things he talked about being addicted to, for some reason, pointed out smoking specifically and how it affected his writing process and essentially slowed it down. And if I'm not mistaken, he still smokes. I think he was smoking packs and packs a day and he's like limited himself now to something like two to three cigarettes a day, at least the last I heard. So he hasn't kicked it completely, but he noticed something and he sounds like he's a bit more well-versed about the effects of smoking on cognitive function because he mentions it being a great synapse enhancer. So while I was laying in bed, I started thinking it's really interesting because we talked about schizophrenia and creativity and something that I've noticed with my patients in psychiatric hospitals that a lot of schizophrenics smoke. And by a lot, I mean all of them. And of course, by all of them, I don't mean all of them. (laughs) Still with me. (laughs) Studies show anywhere from 80 to 90% of patients diagnosed with schizophrenia smoke. And I'd venture to say it's closer to 100% of those that are institutionalized in psychiatric facility that smoke. It's a shocking amount. And it's really interesting because a lot of times those folks, when they're being discharged out of the psychiatric facility and back into the community, part of their question is like, you know, well, where am I going? Which facility are you sending me to? And I always found that interesting because I, I would imagine any place would be better than here, right? And the more I worked with these folks, the more I realized they were asking because they knew which facilities allowed you to smoke on the grounds of the campus. Uh-huh. So if they were living in some sort of group home and some sort of, you know, assisted living facility, whatever the case may be, smoking and the ability to smoke on the grounds was vitally important to them. Now, nothing I'm saying here is necessarily groundbreaking. It's been well established that smoking is more prevalent amongst folks with schizophrenia when compared to the general population, because the numbers are, again, about 80% of folks with schizophrenia smoke in the United States, and 
that's compared to about 20% of the general population. And those are old numbers, I believe that's from like 2006, 2007. But the point is clear, right? More people with this condition smoke. And one thing I like to impress upon medical students coming through and even some of the younger residents is that, especially with psychiatric patients, a lot of times they get sort of pigeonholed into being, oh, that's a psych patient. And sure, that's a 50 year old guy with schizophrenia. Nobody's asking this guy about his family history of colon cancer. Nobody's asking him his family history of hypertension, right? You kind of get locked into this idea that, oh, because they're a psychiatric patient, well, all that other stuff is sort of important, but Jesus, they're a psychiatric patient first. And that's fucked up and it's wrong. And that part really bothers me. So a lot of times, a lot of these other comorbidities end up taking a back seat. But the truth is folks with schizophrenia have increased mortality rates, increased cardiovascular disease, reduced treatment effectiveness, basically all the same stuff you'd expect of somebody who didn't have schizophrenia and was smoking. 100. And the only thing more plentiful than the amount of cigarettes being smoked by folks with schizophrenia are the amount of theories that scientists have concocted to try to explain this relationship. They range from everything from the socioeconomic environmental versions that propose smoking is the result of folks with schizophrenia being largely unemployed and inactive, so they're bored, essentially. There's another school of folks from the psychological tool hypothesis camp that argue smokers are essentially using the nicotine to manipulate their mental state in response to various environmental conditions, helping them reduce stress, helping them manage what is known as negative symptoms of schizophrenia, things like that. Essentially saying that folks with schizophrenia don't do well coping with problems and constructive ways, so they use smoking as a psychological tool. Again, a lot of these, although on paper sound, I guess plausible, they just don't pan out with further analysis. For example, the idea that folks with schizophrenia are institutionalized and therefore they're bored just didn't pan out. Because when they looked at folks who were institutionalized in places like prison, they found that people with schizophrenia still had higher smoking rates and they smoke for longer periods of time than other folks who are both institutionalized and bored. Whoa. But again, nothing has panned out in the research. It's still kind of up in the air. But again, the story I was told from the very beginning in my medical training was that folks with schizophrenia were smoking to sort of combat the side effects of atypical antipsychotic medication. And the idea being that folks with schizophrenia have an excess amount of dopamine in their brain and you're giving these antipsychotics, which reduce level of dopamine, hence reducing their psychotic symptoms. So the theory would then go that these folks are smoking cigarettes, increasing the level of dopamine in their brain and combating the side effects that they don't like from the medication which again is interesting because a lot of the side effects of these medications include things like increased appetite mental dulling sometimes irritable mood these are the same things you'd see in folks who quit smoking they'll say they gain a lot of weight they're irritable anxious that sort of thing and not to get too nerded out here but there are two sides of schizophrenic symptoms there are what are known as the positive symptoms and you can think of those as introducing something new a new problem and those include things like hallucinations and delusions perceptual disturbances and then there are negative negative symptom and you can think about taking things away and the negative symptoms are things like withdrawal, apathy, things like that. So sort of flattening somebody. And if you're really thinking about this, you would ask yourself, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If you're smoking and you're adding more dopamine, wouldn't that make the very symptoms of schizophrenia that you're trying to treat with the medication worse because now you're introducing more dopamine? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. And this has a lot to do, at least with the current models of dopamine and schizophrenia, are that decreased dopamine in the prefrontal cortex 
cortex are what are responsible for the negative symptoms, so the withdrawal and the apathy. Whereas the positive symptoms, things like the delusions and the hallucinations, may be caused by too much dopamine in the mesolimbic pathway. So again, this theory would say, well, then the nicotine is increasing the release of dopamine in the prefrontal cortex, which is helping relieve those symptoms of apathy and sort of uh, mental cloudiness and slowing. So it's not necessarily making things worse, which I guess would make sense because there's a lot of folks who, again, with schizophrenia who smoke and they're not necessarily getting worse in terms of their symptoms. So there is some really intricate role being played here with these substances and brain chemistry, but again, nothing has really panned out as a definitive answer. Now, if all of these possibilities and different theories isn't confusing enough, never count out the role of the tobacco industry to fuck things up a little more. Research was done based on the internal industry documents that showed a real concerted effort from the tobacco industry to promote the belief amongst health professionals that people with schizophrenia needed to smoke and that it was dangerous for them to quit smoking. What? Part of their promotions included monitoring or supporting research that endorsed the idea that people with schizophrenia were immune to health consequences of smoking. Oh God. Obviously that was bullshit, yeah. but imagine that as a tactic saying, no, 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 those folks right there, all the shit that you're worried about, it's true what smoking can do to you, but not for them, man. They're immune and it's important that they keep smoking. We usually think of smoking as something that everyone should avoid, but could it be beneficial for some people? Researchers have found nicotine improves some key functions of brains of schizophrenics. And to sort of push this agenda, at some point, tobacco industry was not only perpetuating this belief that schizophrenics needed to self-medicate, they went as far as to provide cigarettes to hospital wards and supported efforts to block hospital-based smoking bans. And by now, I'd imagine that most people are desensitized to the atrocities of the tobacco industry. But in a real interesting talk by Dr. Andrew Pipe, which, you know, an unfortunate last name when we're talking about the tobacco industry. <laughs> But he points out that the R&D, the amount of research and development that the tobacco industry does is in the millions of dollars a year solely in trying to devise new ways to deliver the most potent hit of nicotine to the brain. Adding that next to the insulin pump, this is one of the most sophisticated drug delivery mechanisms we see on a daily basis in our lives. Whoa. Which I thought was a pretty powerful statement. Because again, this is coming from the folks who literally down to the paper that they use for cigarettes has been engineered to provide the longest lasting cigarette. If you ever get a chance and you look at a cigarette, you'll see that there's concentric circles called striations. They're around the paper, known as burn ring. And the burn rings correspond to two different thicknesses of paper. And they serve to precisely control the speed at which the cigarette burns, slowing it down automatically when the smoker isn't inhaling in order to prolong the cigarette's life and allow full consumption and speeding it up as the smoker takes a drag to maximize the amount of smoke intake. They're literally engineers and folks working on ways to design a cigarette, to design a filter, to design the very mechanism of which each drag will pull in increased amount of cigarette smoke into the lungs. And get this, when most people hear freebasing, they think of crack. crack. I know I did when I first heard the term being used in Dr. Pipe's lecture. I mentioned freebasing, I'm sure most people in this room understandably think of cocaine. Get this, freebasing is actually a term and a procedure that was developed by the tobacco industry. And they learned that by mixing ammonia and formaldehyde with tobacco, the smoke that was produced is a more basic, a more alkaline product. And as a result, the nicotine derived is able to cross the alveolar membrane even more rapidly than it would in any other case. 
meaning it gets from the air to the lungs and into the bloodstream quicker with this freebasing technique. So it's no wonder most times when we as physicians do our little spiel about smoking and you know kind of give folks the wag of the finger and say you know they got patches they got gum uh, you need to try this to quit smoking. Most times when we are successful and somebody does say that they want to try it whether it be the patch or gum or whatever the case may be almost inevitably they say that shit didn't work. You know you'll get some here and there that it does work but variable is you don't know how motivated they are to want to quit anyway and was it really helpful to have the patch or the gum or was it just they were going to stick it out because it was time whatever the case is but most times they say no it doesn't work or they'll say it didn't work for me anyway and the interesting thing is that we have these protocols right we put people on these regimens and we say okay you're going to start off with the six milligram gum after a couple weeks you're going to go to the four after a couple weeks you're going to go to the two and then we'll wean you off of it and we expect them to just be better which is a wild approach because you know we don't do that for somebody's blood pressure we don't say all right we're going to put you on beta blocker for four weeks and then we're going to lower the dose for four more weeks and then we're going to give you four weeks of the least dose possible and then we'll recheck your blood pressure and we'll see how you're doing then and if your blood pressure is still high we don't say hey man you don't want it bad enough you know you're you're addicted to high blood pressure you know we treat it while it's there so this idea that you have to be on a patch for only a certain amount of time and then it has to come off i really think that needs to change especially when we're dealing with folks who might have just entirely different chemistries and again this isn't necessarily just folks with schizophrenia we're talking about a lot of research has found that people with mental illness in general have higher rates of tobacco use Real life. so we're talking about a large chunk of the population and again speaking specifically to folks in the healthcare industry i think we need to do a better job of actually screening and having a practical approach for folks who want to quit smoking because i think a lot of us have sort of looked at smoking with the attitude of pun intended i guess uh you know we nipped it in the bud already smoking rates in developed countries is declining but if you really look at that information, that data more closely, you'll see that it's actually going up in impoverished areas. So it isn't like we're doing better on all fronts. And rough estimations that I've read recently say that about 40% of tobacco products are consumed by folks with mental illness, Word. which again points to a more specific subset of folks in the population that we can also use to focus our efforts on. Another thing that was pointed out in a lecture I was listening to was the way we go about asking folks if they smoke generally and most surveys if you have you know the phq9 or whatever the survey is that most of you fill out when you go see your doctor and ask you know do you smoke if so when's the last time you smoked interestingly a lot of people are in the middle of wanting to quit so this might be an opportunity they're not lying necessarily but they might have not had a cigarette in a week and their plan is to quit and they're using this as a sort of confidence booster and they check no a more appropriate question is have you used any form of tobacco in the past month and if they say no no. Have you used any tobacco products in the past seven days? And what that does is it helps you to better kind of hone in on, is this somebody who's actively trying to quit? Because most research shows that people who do smoke want to quit. Most folks don't want to keep smoking, but they do for whatever reason. So I think some of our basic clinical skills about how we assess and obtain that information, it's we're not doing a good job of it. And then once you do talk about it, folks are over it. They're over this whole, you know, scared straight. We know it doesn't work. We can show them all the gory pictures. We can tell them all the terrible details about what it's doing to their endothelial vascular tissues and all that jazz. But really, 
we're missing an opportunity to say, hey, look, all the stuff we're trying to work on, you know, whether it's your surgeon talking to you, whether your psychiatrist talking to you, whether it's your internist talking to you, you obviously want to do better and you want your health to be better. You wouldn't be here seeing us. That being said, one of the most important things that can be done is you quit smoking. But if we follow that up with, and I'm sure you've probably tried before and man, God knows this can be one of the hardest things to do, but we want to help you through that. That little bit of confidence, knowing that if they let you down or if they're unable to do it, or if they know they've tried and failed before, why are they going to tell their doctor they're going to try to quit and then come in and have to lie to them the next week or the next month? They just as soon say, oh, I'm not interested or not bring it up at all. So our approach can change. Okay. I'm not trying to give you guys a wag of the finger for those of you in the healthcare industry, but that's my spiel. So now I guess to bring this all the way back to where we started, I guess we were talking about schizophrenia and creativity. You know, a lot of, you know, my thoughts when I first started this segment were going to be about the role of cigarettes in the creative process. And, you know, I didn't find too much that supported this idea that nicotine supports the creative process. The idea that creative endeavor and mind-altering substances are entwined is one of the great pop intellectual myths of our time. There are some reports, again, that show that it helps with cognitive function, some with memory. I think there was a German study in 2009 that's referenced quite often that it can help with cognitive function. And I know folks personally who will chew on some Nicorette gum or something before they are going to start a writing process or before they're going to produce any music. And they say it just kind of gives them that little bit of buzz. You know, one of the caveats is that you have a lot of nicotinic receptors in your gut. So if you're new to it and you do decide to chew that gum, don't swallow your spit. It'll make you nauseous. Ugh. So you're going to have to play it old school farmer boy style and spit in a container and spittoon. The other thing is, and I left this part out, that a lot of healthcare providers, I don't think know this, is that there's pretty good evidence out there that suggests that smoking affects the metabolism of a whole host of medications, some of which are antipsychotic medications. Major killer. There was a study done that showed, in some cases, medication taken in folks who smoke tobacco, antipsychotic concentrations in the blood could be decreased by 50% because of the cytochrome P450. It's an enzyme that clears out medications and in the presence of tobacco use gets revved up. So, you know, for folks that have taken up smoking, they may actually need more medication. And in other folks who have quit smoking, they may actually need decreased doses of medications in those scenarios. So pretty interesting information. Well, that's all I got for you. Again, this is your boy D. You're listening to Medicine Remixed, which if you don't know, is also a highly addictive form of audio entertainment. But you're hooked, so nothing you can do about it. Suck it up. Thanks for listening, y'all. Peace. Do what you want with that information. I encourage you to do your own research. If you have any input for us, we're always happy to hear it. And again, no other place like this, damn it. Should we start marketing this as an online medical school? Reese, you think we can get accreditation for this? Hey, if Trump got this stupid Trump University thing going, which folded later because it was terrible and it stole from people. But I think Medicine Remix should do it the right way. What do you guys think? Anyway, if you haven't done it already, please go to your iTunes. Right now, you're holding your phone, right? You're staring at it. Go to your iTunes, rate us. Anything less than five stars would be uncivilized. And leave a review. You may not know it, but you have no idea how much that helps. It helps us 
in so many ways. It makes it easier for us to get sponsors. It makes it easier for us to be pushed in terms of different platforms. If we can show that we actually have a following that responds in positive ways to our content. So in order to keep this going, we're asking you for help. So please like, subscribe, share. We got a Facebook page. Just type in Medicine Remix. Go there. It's verified. You'll know it's us. Follow us on Twitter. How are you guys not following us on Twitter? Rude. So rude. Anyway, again, thank you so much for listening. This is Medicine Remix. You're the best. Make way over to iTunes. Give us a review. Love y'all. Peace.